Recorded live at the Hawk's Nest on the summit in Pataskala, Ohio. This is Garage Days, underproduced and over the top. I am your host, Arch Madness, and uh, it's been a minute, hasn't it, gang? I appreciate your patience, and I'm telling you, the month of December, I am going to absolutely make it up to you. I've got a ton of interviews in the bank. We'll get those out as we close out this second season of Garage Days. But right now, got a little early bird surprise for you. In fact, uh, this guy is going to be in town on Thursday at the King of Clubs. I've said enough. Let's hit the phones. This Thursday at the King of Clubs, Ricky Rackman's one foot in the gutter. And on the line with me now, the man himself, Ricky Rackman. Hey, Ricky, what's up, dude? Dude, I'm really excited about this show. Um, this is going to be a special show. This the, the, the show on Thursday is going to be a little bit different because didn't realize it in booking the shows, but December 8th was kind of a tragic day in Columbus. And because that's when, you know, the horrible incident happened where we lost Dimebag, we lost four people at the club. And it turns out that I'm doing my show two miles from where that club was. Yep. So I'm going to start my show a little bit early and tell some Pantera stories and try to do a little tribute for the people that lost their lives. And then I'm going to walk off stage and then I'm going to start my show again. Oh, really? Because, that uh, is the way you're going to play it. That's that's really cool. I thought you because when I was reading your social uh, media post, you said, hey, I'm going to go on early to honor everyone. So then you're going to stop and then come back. That's really cool, man. Yeah, my show. I mean, my show is is I'd like to even though there's some like, you know, pretty heavy things that happen and stories that I tell. Um I don't want to start it on a note that brings back so many feelings. I mean, you know, it, I, I really had no idea when I looked at the itinerary that we were going to be in Columbus on December 8th. And Pantera has been such a very big part of my life and knew those guys. And those guys have stories throughout my show and then realized that we were right there. Chances are, if you were a fan of Damage Plan, you might be a fan of Ricky Rackman. You might have been at that show and you might have lost friends at that show. So for me not to honor those people and to just like pretend like it didn't happen would be horrible. So I need, I, I personally need to honor those people that were rock fans on such a horrible occasion, but then I'm going to walk off stage and then I'm going to come back on stage and do the regular show. So yeah, we also have Pantera stories in it, right? And, and Ricky, I saw the uh, I saw the post uh, when you when you kind of when you had that epiphany, you're like, oh my goodness, it's December eighth. And then I also saw the post where you had uh, the 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 signatures and the, and the really cool messages from Dime and Phil that they wrote to you. Let's let's kind of talk about that a little bit because I got to kind of be careful how I do this interview because the stories I want to ask you about the career and everything you've done. You're going to discuss on Thursday at the King of Clubs, but um, l- let's talk about Pantera because uh, I'm a huge okay. fan. And uh, I mean, how special were they, Ricky? They were unlike any other metal band, hard rock band that I can think of, because when it came to Dimebag and when it came to Vin in particular, and I'm saying Rex, Phil, they're all like this, but they really did not have the rock star persona, even though that was them. Anybody that ever met anybody in that band felt like they were hanging out with one of their bros. They felt like they were having drinks with them. They felt like they were hanging out. I mean, I can tell you that I went to after show parties or barbecues or clubs with those guys. And there really was no rock star velvet robe bodyguards. They were just like, 
they were like us. They just happened to be in like a really killer rock band. <laughs> and there's some stories in in um, my show that that talk a lot about that, you know. And uh, you know, especially now because of the, you know, Pantera tribute or whatever you're calling it is is playing, um, which which I happen to think is great. I'm with you. What's happening is is kids are going to see this band that had never heard Pantera, and every kid that goes to that show that never saw Pantera is going to go buy old Pantera records and learn more about the memory of Dime and learn more about Vin. And when there's more Pantera fans, there are more kids that are listening to metal, and that's always a good thing in my opinion because you know. You know, we, we live in this generation where people are so eager to say, well, if you weren't a hardcore fan, name three songs. It's like, <laughs> guys, we want as many fans to this music as possible. And if you found out about Metallica from watching Stranger Things, but then you're going to go buy more Metallica records, that's okay. <laughs> you know, that's okay. <laughs> yeah, I never will forget my, I have uh, teenage boys and I knew I was, I was doing it right. Uh, and they were into Strangers th- Stranger Things. And I remember them coming down after that episode. And the way they worded it, they're like, Dad, they played puppets. Puppets. <laughs> right? I was like, yeah. that Okay, cool. We're, we're good to go. Well, the, the great thing is I go to a lot of shows. And, yes, most of the stuff that I'm, you know, uh, familiar with or people think of me as being is the guy from the cat house scene with guns and roses or the Nirvana headbangers ball. But the truth is I do like a lot of new bands. And the fun thing is when I go to shows, whether it be an old band or a new band, I see parents with their kids there. And that's something that like, I could never have pictured going to see, you know, Motley Crue or Megadeth and, you know, with my dad or something or something like that. <laughs> right. And now, you know, and, and, and I, you know, in one week I saw wasp and then a couple of days before that I saw I'm on, I'm on and I saw a dad and kid in battle vests. So I'm like, wow, this is awesome. You know, speaking of battle vests, speaking of wasp wasp played at the King of clubs last Wednesday. It was a great show. I was there. I had my battle vest on and I, I, what'd you think of it, man? I just think that's a great tour. I, it was, I thought it was so cool to hear Blackie and John Bush in one on one ticket. I mean, absolute iconic pipes, especially Bush, man. I just, I, I hold him in real high regard as far as heavy metal singers. I thought the Wasp show was great. It was exactly what I expected it to be. And I think that John uh, surprised me. I always knew that John was a great vocalist, but I thought Armored Saint were really great. And I thought that they looked great. And I thought they sounded great. And it was just like, I like going to shows. You know, I like going to shows where people put in an effort and where the bands are, you know, kicking butt and sound good. And uh, and that's what I got from that show. And I had a lot of fun at both of those shows. Amen. You know, when I go to when I go to shows, you know, I I, I try not to be the old Ricky guy. I try to be that that young kid that remembers what it was like the first time he saw Bruce Dickinson fighting Eddie or the time that, you know, he saw, you know, Motley Crue on the theater pain tour or any of these bands. And I try to go there as a kid and have fun. You know, I'm old. I just stay far away from the pit now because I can shatter. So <laughs> other than that, right? everything is just like great. Right. Hey, it, are there any new bands you're digging on? Um, I mean, I, I wouldn't call them new, but I really into a monomarth because I saw them live and it was, it was one of the most fun shows that I've ever been to. But um, I like, there's a band called unto others that I really like. 
Um, I like a lot of threat. I mean, the funny thing is I, I listen to all sorts of things. I mean, there's this album by Shooter Jennings and Yellow Wolf called Sometimes Why that is not hard at all, but it is so good. I listen to everything. But I think when it comes to like heavy stuff, I tend to go towards the thrash a little bit more. And uh, like I like municipal ways uh, and, and stuff like that. I, I really listen to everything. I mean, you know, I'll listen to Venom and My Chemical Romance. <laughs> I, I like I, I like I like a lot. Nothing of Nothing wrong with that. Nothing, Nothing wrong, with that. wrong with that. No way, man. So. Hey, and as far as one foot in the gutter and, you know, I kind of at the beginning of the interview, I, I said, hey, man, I got to kind of this is kind of tricky because I don't want, you know, because you've got to kind of hold your cards close to your vest here as far as what we're going to get on Thursday. Um, so I was going to ask, you know, how did you prepare? What can we expect? And then I read your post this morning and I'm like, man, it's Ricky. That's one of the more refreshing things out there is how you lay it all out. You're honest with people who who follow you and, and, and know your career. Talk about what I mean, because, dude, this is totally different than anything else as far as one foot in the gutter. And you are taking some chances here, man. Talk about the things that you talked about in that post this morning and kind of what's running through your mind, man. Well, considering that I, right now as we speak, I'm still writing the show and I'm still <laughs> trying to find videos of it. And I did one show already and um, and it was packed. It was like 500 people there and the show went three hours and it can't be that long. So, you know, my wife is just like, just do the same show. And I'm like, no, and I reworked it all. And the truth is, you know, I, I created the Cat House Nightclub, which was probably one of the greatest rock and roll clubs in the world. And when I would do shows, I never even had to say a band who was playing and the place would sell out. So I'm used to that. Well, now I'm going into these clubs and I'm like, I'm going to do one foot in the gutter. and I'm going to walk out there at King of Clubs and it's going to be sold out. Well, maybe it won't be sold out. Maybe it's only going to be half full. What if it's not? So I'm internalizing all that and realizing you know, in a sense, I'm a new band and people don't know what it's going to be like to go to a place called King of Clubs where you might have just seen, you know, Wasp or Hatebreed or Jeff Tate or whoever. And you're sitting in seats listening to a guy telling stories. You know, people aren't necessarily used to that. You know, if you know what Henry Rollins does, you know, it's not dissimilar like that, but the stories are different. Um it's not just what it was like Headbangers Ball. And yes, I talk about Nirvana and Headbangers Ball. And <laughs> I talk about how Axl Rose helped me get the job at MTV. But I also talk about, you know, the times I got arrested and, and bad decisions I've made and, you know, sex, drugs, rock and roll. And what it's like when you have a, a nationally syndicated radio show, you're making half a million dollars a year. And six months later, you're flat broke as a car salesman. I talk about everything and I pull no punches and I say a lot of embarrassing stuff. And, you know, what I said in my post was, you know, a lot of people are like, hey, tickets are almost sold out and everybody's so this, that, this, that. And I'm saying tickets are not sold out yet. There's still tickets available. And I'm scared. I'm like, what if I walk out there? And this is this is one of the hard things. What if I walked out there and it's not totally sold out? Well, what I have to focus on is if there's 100 people there or 10 people or 300, I got to do the most kick ass show ever. Because the people that are there are supporting what I'm doing. I really think this show is great. I'm not worried about the show. But all of this new stuff, you know, I thought I was going to be in a tour bus. And then I thought I was going to be in a transit van. And now we have a <laughs> minivan parked in front of the house. My wife is my tour manager. We hired a couple to help us with selling merch and doing videos and photos. And, you know, we're doing all this 
ourselves and I don't know how it's going to go. I don't know what it's going to be like when I've got to go from Columbus to Flint and then we've got to drive through Canada to get to Buffalo. I don't know what it's, you know, when I'm at a place like the King of Clubs, okay, this is a rock club. You know, this is a rock sure club, is. But, but it's got it got got chairs in it, you know, and and <laughs> what is this going to be? But but I'm telling you, even people that are not that familiar with the metal scene are really going to dig the show because part of it is I'm not going to say like a play, but if you sit up there, I think I'm going to just sit there and go, well, on this band, the producer is this, that. I mean, there's a part where I take you into my room when I, in 1974, I'm a little kid and I'm discovering certain vinyl records. And then I try to tell you what it's like. You know, I had, I've had some incredible jobs. You know, I got my start. I was the DJ for Tommy Lee and Heather Locklear's wedding. You know, I had all these things happen that were just pretty incredible and everybody's like, well, why didn't you ever write a book? I'm like, well, I thought about it, but how cool would it be to stand on stage and tell people these stories? Like right instead of writing on. a book and, and instead, you know, look, there's nothing wrong. There's some great books out there that talk about the 80s and 90s rock scene, some great book books. And it's written by writers that talk about it. it's like, look, I was there. You know, I'm the one that they say, Ricky, um, Axel's chasing David Bowie down the street saying he's going to kill him. What are you going to do? You know, I'm the one that dealt with these situations because this was just my life. Uh, oh, that's and a I Tuesday. All those things. Huh? That was a Tuesday for you, wasn't it? That that's that's Tuesday. It's like um, Ricky <laughs> Slash is wearing a Cat House security shirt and he just fell down the stairs holding a plant. Okay. Uh, fake plant. I mean, I'm just I'm just bringing up little right, stories. Right. And I mean, just crazy stuff like you know. My my receptionist was when I you know started when I when I was working and all of a sudden my receptionist tells me he's going to start this band called Blind Melon you know everything was just intertwined with the people that intertwined and a lot of it is Headbangers Ball a lot of it's Cat House but a lot of it is like crazy things that have happened in my life and you know to know that that some people have said that. Part of it that I mean, I had people said that they got a little teary eyed in it, and that was really, really flattering. And uh, some of it, if people find inspiration in some of these stories, that's great. If people think they're funny, if people think they're disgusting, if people think they're offensive, that's all good as long as you have some sort of emotion and you're not bored. And I am doing everything I can to make sure that my time on stage grabs everybody and takes them on this journey with me. So Ricky, and I just thought of a question as you, as you were kind of telling the story there, like I'm obsessed. And I always ask when I get an artist on, uh, I always talk about opening songs on an album or opening songs to start a live show and what it means to them to just kind of come out and, and punch the audience kind of in, in, in the chops there. And it sounds like you have kind of constructed almost a set list with what you're doing. Am, am I right? I mean, are you coming out? I mean, is that something that you thought about? I want to ask you, cause this is totally a different type of show. Are you thinking about, I mean, are you deciding what opening song you want to start with at, you, I have thought about what songs are playing in the venue when the doors open. Nice. I have all of the music planned, what song I'm walking out to. I haven't figured out what songs are going to play in the dressing room before I go on. <laughs> My wife knows when this song plays, everybody clears the dressing room 
and her and I listen to this song before she goes out and she introduces me. And then after she, while she's introducing me, I'm listening to a song to get me ready. I know that when I hear rock and roll from Motorhead, that that means, okay, it's, it's pretty much time to go on. And then when I hear LL Cool J, Mama said, knock you out, I'm about to walk on stage. I mean, I, I have it awesome. so dialed in to everything to the point of being a little bit too meticulous. But once I'm on stage, you know, unlike many bands, I do not use background tracks, backing tracks. <laughs> Are you for them or again, them, uh, Ricky? What? Are you- <laughs> um, Save it. Save it for Thursday. Look, Save it for Thursday. Well, no, that's not going to be brought up in Thursday. I'd rather hear a band be raw and know that I'm seeing a raw. I mean, I know I've recently seen shows that it's, it's obvious that there's backing tracks. And I know a lot of bands that use it. Right. But I would feel much better knowing that a band, I mean, you know, I, I see Iron Maiden and that dude nails it. So if Bruce Dickinson can nail it, I don't want to see anybody else that's even a little younger using backing tracks. And, you know, it, I don't know. I, I, I'm, I, I like rock and roll. I like to think, you know, when I saw the Misfits play um, in Philadelphia, they there was feedback and there was this and that. Right? And I was like, yeah. oh, it's, I, and I figured – if it was a Danzig show, I think Glenn would have lost his mind. But because <laughs> it was supposed to feel like a garage in a punk rock show, the feedback was all there. And I'm like, oh, I get it. This is what it feels like. And I like that. I, I'm okay with it. I want spontaneity. I want to know that this band, I will never, like, everybody's posting the Pantera set list. I'll be damned if I'm going to look at a set list. I will never look at a band's set list. Just like I'm not going to read the script to a movie before I go see a movie. I want to be surprised. I want to be like, oh, my God, are they going to play, you know, Primal Concrete Sledge? Are they going to do this? And I want to be excited when I hear it. I don't want to know what song is next. I want spontaneity. I want rawness. I want live. I always want live. Cannot wait for th- I know Columbus rock fans are excited for Thursday. And Ricky, I'm, I'm sure you get this all the time uh, from people. But for us Gen X metalheads and, and what you and Headbangers Ball meant to us. I mean, Saturday nights, man, it didn't matter how good the party we were at was. Around 1130, my buddies and I start making eye contact with each other. Headbangers Ball is in 30. We need to scoot. And uh, my friends and I still talk about those those memories. And for me personally, Ricky, it was it was a huge motivation in my desire to be a broadcaster. I just want to say thank you, my man. I've been well, in Columbus for almost 27 years on the air, and you're you're a big part of that, Ricky. Well, thank you. I really appreciate that. Um, you know, I, I, I feel like sometimes I get credit for things that I didn't deserve because I was just like the host of the show. And, and uh, you know, that was the first – and I talked about this in my show – I was never on TV before. The first time I was ever on TV was the first time I was on Headbangers Ball. I wasn't a journalist. I was wasn't a reporter. I'm just a rock fan, like everybody else. Right. And uh, and and to hear that people appreciated that and and that that Headbangers Ball meant something to them is really really flattering. And you know when people say that that they like the show, that's it. It's you know I mean hey. I did that from 1990 to 1995, and I get kids that say, "Oh, I, I watch you on YouTube." I'm like, "Wow, you know, <laughs> it's like really, really cool. It's really, really cool." That's great stuff, Ricky Rackman. One foot in the gutter this Thursday at the King of Clubs, my man. Best of luck with the tour. It's great hearing your voice, and and we're looking forward to Thursday, bro. And I hope I get to meet you on Thursday. You got it, my man. Thanks, Ricky. Thanks, buddy. How cool was that? Oh my goodness! Listen, if you haven't purchased your tickets for one foot in the gutter. Once again, that's this Thursday at the King of Clubs. 
You can do that at tkoc.live. And then we'll see you at the King of Clubs uh, this upcoming Thursday. Ricky Rackman, what a cool dude, right? We always knew that. We always knew that watching Headbangers Ball. And the dude's really putting himself out there with this one foot in the gutter show. Hey, I promise, I promise, I promise, I promise. I've got some great stuff on the way. Maybe even something to release later this week. Stick with me. Thanks for all the support in this second season of Garage Days. Bob's gone, by the way. Flight Pattern Bob. Yeah, we won't hear from him until April. But that's an upcoming show that I've got in the bank, ready to go. His final show before he split for Florida. Hope you enjoyed Ricky Rackman. We'll talk again soon, I promise. As always, stay frosty. I'll have to check that out.